There's no possessions, only obsession. I don't need that. Take my money, take my obsession. episode seven of the 2021 Draft Champions podcast. I'm here today with uh, Rob DiPietro. How you doing? Hey, Zach. Good, man. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. Really appreciate you taking the time on this uh, beautiful Saturday afternoon. Um, don't know, I don't know if I'm taking up uh, time from whatever else you were doing. You said you were um, just finishing up doing something outside, maybe? Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm trying, gar- to, gar- trying, gardening. To, trying to salvage my gardening. The frost hit last night. Oh, um, yeah. Tried to do a little covering with some like, you know, heavy sheathing just to give them some warmth and maybe they could shine through. But I lost a, you know, whatever. I just picked, picked everything that was hanging and it was been a long season. I've had, you know, stuff in there since April, May. So uh, next move is the uh, greenhouse. So first of <laughs> and all. Then, and, then, and then after that, it's just Halloween, uh, you know, marathon. <laughs> Michael Myers style. <laughs> that a boy. Um, Congratulations, first of all, on winning the draft champions um, overall. That's amazing, and it's really incredible because you did it with one entry. Yeah, <laughs> you, didn't, you, didn't it, pull, you didn't pull. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy. I forget the guy's name. Um, Heber- yeah. Heberlig. You didn't pull a Heberlig. Heberlig. Yeah, Heberlig, been- and then the and then the guy right behind me, Tyler Jung. He he had I think three in the top ten in almost uh, forty five total entries but he uh, he he had so many good entries so yeah I, mean, he, I, I looked i was looking through those you know what i was okay. looking through the first couple I'm like how I'm like what like just like the the initial draft champions not the second chance but i'm like how many of these top teams like when are, when am i going to see a team without corbin burns <laughs> yeah right that's that seemed to be a common theme like on a lot of those teams absolutely but yeah uh, yeah i mean Thank you. I appreciate it. It was, it was a hell of a freaking run. It was something that just wasn't real. Even when it was done, it wasn't real. I know Bloomfield tweeted out that, you know, congratulations. And I'm like, you know, when do they call you or when do they, do they email you and tell you you won? <laughs> like, you know, and my wife was asking me, is it over? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm that's still hilarious. shocked. Well, that's, that's, that's great. You must be, you must be happy. And yeah, um, absolutely. And, but um, you still, still going to get better. There's a ton ton more to do you know absolutely we were also we were also in the main event together last year um right both of us did not win it because our our um our buddy well i don't really know him yet he's coming on the show phil the two phil the so ended up smoking us in that event maybe we'll talk we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later but um okay. again like congratulations and also congratulations on your podcast it's been successful and um i've listened to i think almost all the episodes i think the, the latest one i haven't listened to yet but i just listened to the one with you and phil which is like really one of the that's honestly one of the best podcasts that I've, one of the best podcasts I've heard so far this year. Um, wow. I appreciate that, man. Thank well, you. You know what? It was mostly Phil. But you actually, I don't know if you know, you got a shout out from Toby on his podcast. He was talking about your podcast on his. And Toby's oh. is also one of my, one of the podcasts that I listen to a lot. He's coming on, him and Phil are coming on, as I told you before we started recording, they're coming on together later this week and we're going to talk. Um, but nice. he, 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 he was, he was listening to it. The one with the, the one where you had Phil on, he, like you mentioned your podcast. So you're, you're doing quite well for yourself. You must be happy uh, how the season went. 
Um, so before we get started, let's, so I'm going to spend maybe one minute or two before, um, before we actually get into the, the nitty gritty, but like, how did you sort of get started in fantasy baseball? Because I've listened to your pod and that's what you asked your guests. So I want to sort of get, Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Thank you. Give me your story. That's a cool, yeah. Um, so my, I have three older brothers and we played, we turned everything into a game. Whatever we were playing, even if it wasn't baseball, it became a game and it became keeping stats, it became, you know, keeping logs of everything. So the first year I remember playing fantasy baseball was in 94, the strike shortened season. We had a little like lake house um, retreat that we used to go to in the summer and it was a rainy day and my brothers were like, hey, let's just do uh, fantasy, like a fantasy baseball league and it's interesting because we drafted after the fact almost like they were doing the retro drafts early in the year during the shutdown so we drafted post season being done and um that was my first memory of that it's funny because my brother actually still had this sheet which is i wanted to bring it out to show you handwritten handwritten we didn't even do pitching though so i guess it doesn't count but um i had like it's just cool to look back fred mcgriff ken caminiti piazza rest in uh, peace ken kenny yeah, griffey jr and mondesi oh man but um, Sheff- it's sheffield sheffield yeah Is he there? Sheffield. Just, Delgado. So my- Delgado, my boy from toronto yeah uh, I loved him when he was a Met, you know, big Met fan. But uh, yeah, and then it just um, graduated into some home leagues with friends and uh, family, uh, keeper leagues, mostly keeper leagues. Um, I've had, uh, we have a long staying in about 20, 21 year league now, uh, wow. 12 men keeper league. We keep 10, it's a budget, it's auction with incrementing uh Salary, we can sign guys for like one, two or three year deals and have them up to as many six uh, as six years. Um, so that's what, like the first league I was really like involved in. Um, and that was that head to head categories. And then um, I think about five or six years ago, I, I played in a roto league for the, like really first time. I shared a league with my brother, but he did most of the work. I just like read and gave him terrible advice and um (laughs) but and then I like played Roto for like about six years ago for the first time like by myself and I just fell in love with it Roto's so good yeah I can't can't do the head-to-head shit yeah no as I as I get like you know I'm totally on that level now that that home league is still head-to-head and the guys don't want to change which is cool you know I Mm. I could have one that's different um but I definitely prefer the Roto and just started to, you know, get into a couple more home leagues. And, you know, then this year I decided to, uh, you know, try my hand at the NFBC. I made it, um, I made it a mission last year when I won a couple home leagues. Said, so, you know, I'm going to save this money and, you know, get into the NFBC league. I did some, I did some research and looked at the leagues and this league, uh, this year I basically just like dabbled in, um, pretty much almost one of each league, I guess, just to see like what I kind of liked, which is like you mentioned before, why I only did one entry um, yeah. for the, I did a second chance, but still like I, you know, I was like, all right, let me just do one and um, see how each league played out and what I like in the NFC. But I seem to like all of them. Cause then you like, you like, you like all, did you try the cut line? I did do the cut line. Um, I did two of them actually. One was a free one through like the athletic um, subscription. Um, and I missed the first uh, fab on that, which was pretty embarrassing to admit, mm-hmm. but I just, <laughs> I kind of thought there was just one and, and that's probably spreading myself out a little too much and thought it like mostly was like a set it in, get it type league, but I'm glad to see now they introduced some best balls. I'm gonna be yeah. All, yeah, I'm going to be all over that too, because 
I think it's cool to be able to have that ability to, you know, um, and I just like speculating. I like forecasting on depth and possible, you know, next man up and seeing, um, seeing your strategies into best ball. And it's cool because it's a lot less work, you know, lineup wise, fab wise. So uh, the draft is so fun. Right. Right. The draft is yeah. the best part. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I, I want to have like live draft events. I think, you know, it was like brainstorming my head. Like, you know, I think it's yeah. such a big thing. I think like to like invite people into that world maybe would be like pretty cool. Like, you know, what, what goes on while we draft, you know, I'm going to, I think I'm going to get into some of those best balls. I never did it before. Um, I don't like the head to head, but like this best ball is still Roto, um, it, but it right. is a points format. So it is, you do have to get your head around that. But um I think I just love the I love I love to get drafting. I love I love early drafts. Like right now, I'm already I've already done five DCs already. Yes, yeah, uh, wow, I, I, five of them. Wow, I'm, I'm in my I'm in my fifth right now. It's a, I might have to like it's a thirty minute timer too, so I might have to uh, I might get on the clock during this uh, podcast <laughs> at some point, and uh, maybe you can help me make my pick. Um, but um, that's just joking. Great, man. but um, good, good for you. But I, I want to look at that because I, I think I was saying this on the uh, we, I just recorded with. Um, with Kevin Hastings, he he won the TGFBI as we're doing Champions Week. I don't know, right. I don't know if you're aware, but I've just had Kevin on one on the TGFBI. I had right. a league called Battle of the Podcasts um, this year, um, and all these different podcasts came on. And uh, Drew Morris from Common Sense, he had won it. So, oh cool, uh, and, nice. and that was that was a, probably the toughest league I was in because you had we had uh, John Johnny L, we had me, we had well not me but whatever, right? Um, we had Curlin, <laughs> we had um, a lot of heavy hitters. We had. Um, Chris Towers from CBS. Wow, nice. That's cool. Lift Shits, uh, Ray Butler, they were all in that league. So wow, invite, we'll, we'll do it again next year. And the invite, invite is formally up to you to, to join this league as well next year or this year. Probably. Sweet. So you don't, you, don't have to, uh, you don't have to answer me right now, but we do have an opening in it. Um, that said, um, I, 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 would, I sort of went off track there, but I was saying to Kevin that I think the, the later rounds in the ADP right now, like the later – the later rounds, and when I say later rounds, I'm thinking 400, 500, 600 picks are going to be going to turn into like a lot of those guys are going to turn into 300 or even earlier picks because right. because uh, I think this I think it's going to be a it's going to be prospect season this year because all these co- all these options are getting declined. Owners are cheap, except for your owner, obviously. Um, um, <laughs> but uh, your new owner because you're like guys like Jerko and um, Gardner, they're all all their options are getting declined. Um, so I think you might see some cheaper options come up, come, come into play and that would lead to prospects getting called up even from lower levels, because let's face it, we don't know what's going to happen with the minor leagues. People are going to go overseas, maybe like Puig, who knows? Um, so I think you're going to see, you're going to see or jail or what? (laughs) Or jail. (laughs) Or yeah. (laughs) One or the other. Um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we got. We're, we're Sorry losing, to throw you off. <laughs> we're, we're losing. We're losing guys to over for international travel and and, and incarceration. Um, and then uh, I think you're going to see closers. Like what? What I think I think what I was saying also, you're going to see like almost probably ten different closers that, are, that you're getting after pick three hundred now that are going to be like pick around one fifty uh, come March. So I think you're going to yeah. you're going to see this big swing. That's why I want to like it's 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 a, it's a pros and cons to drafting really like. Uh, like right. I, I, I've been like thinking about that and hearing other people's thoughts about it. And, you know, I, I definitely see the value. And if you're doing your homework and you can, you know, uh, stay away from recency bias and 
you know, really tackle where the skills are and what skills you believe in, you could definitely get that jump on ADP now, like you said, before the jump goes from three to 150. And, you know, it just obviously the other end is, you know, um, guys signing or not signing or playing and not playing and, and all those unknowns is yeah. You, you, you could know. get fucked. Like you could get right. you could you could, right. get, you could get copecked. You could get puigged. You could yeah. get syndicated. Yeah. <laughs> making <laughs> up words here, but yeah. you could also um. <laughs> there's also injuries, and then there's also the fact that um. Uh, Mike Mike was saying on the on, on the podcast the other day, he's saying also people get to know who you want too because you're because let's face it, I've done five drafts, and I think there's quite a bit of overlap between who's drafting uh, with you. Oh, okay. So yeah, the, yeah, but also usual too, suspects, right? Yeah, usual suspects. But you're also getting a a pretty c- cool look, you know, live live look at the player pool and what maybe you know, um, yeah. you know, getting a jump on it. So that definitely, I'm definitely looking to get into one soon. I just joined a, um, I just joined the the uh, the great uh, wait the the dynasty uh, baseball championship oh, yeah. that prospect live. Yeah, I just jumped into that too. So um, I did that close, last year they're close to filling. I think that like two more guys left to sign up and then net legal start. So I'm going to get that in a, in, in a DC going, you know, soon at the same time. Um, Attaboy. Yeah. Let's, let's get into your, um, let's get into the 2020 draft champions. Uh, the winner. Cool. Um, to me, just t- take me through it. Um, take me through the highlights. Um, you, you had, you had a lot of good picks there. Um, uh, I'll I, tell you, it's, it's fine. I'll tell you one thing before you just maybe go through it, but I'll tell you one thing that's sort of coincidental. I was talking to Kevin, like I said yesterday, he won the, he won the TGFBI and I'm talking to um, Jim T- Tomini tomorrow who won the main event overall. Wow. All of you, you, all three of you, all of you had a Jordan Alvarez. Who, really? Uh, you got you nothing, but you, you all won it with Jordan. And wow. while Jim, Jim drafted after the, after his ADP was suppressed, or I think he got him like in the eighth round, but I think you got him in the third or fourth. Yeah, I got him in the third round. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know. I think yeah, whatever. Yeah. So when you go through your team, take 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 me through take me through the team. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it through you real quick. Um, so at the top, um, I started in the first round with Trevor Story, and on the wrap, I ended up grabbing um, Freddie Freeman. And my thinking there was I definitely wanted a three cat, uh, you know, a stolen base asset um early um and i just i like their overall skill sets in that i don't i think they're very safe and when i'm picking up top that's what i'm looking at and i think that's why like a guy like mike trout is so attractive it's just because he gives you like they give you the the comfort of like they're probably not gonna bomb you know they have skill sets where i don't see them pushing you know losing your team for you and um so I was happy to start off with those two guys. I had them actually as my sixth and eighth overall batter ranks um, wow. last year. Oh, yeah. batters, batters. Okay. Yeah, yeah, batters. So, well, still, that's pretty yeah. high for that's pretty high for Freeman. Right. I just um, was taking in like the first base thing. Um, you know, I I I had gotten into a couple drafts prior to that, and every time I tried to you know get Voight, I got beaten to it, and I ended up with Kron. So I had a lot of Crone, Crone, Crone. I still, I still don't stay. Which Crone? Which Crone? CJ? It's Crone. Yeah. So I, I, I had too much of of that, and when I came up to this draft, I just determined that um, I gave Freeman a bump, and in that respect, I wanted to, you know, target him, get him, just lock that, you know, first base up. You know, I just didn't like the way I was falling with first base and other drafts. So it's the same thing this year too. I think. To first yeah. Base. Is it, yeah. Right. 
it, lo it, it looks like it's, you know, it's going to be that. And then, like you said, Jordan was my third pick and, uh, you know, got nothing from him. And then I jumped, I jumped the, uh, uh, I jumped Bichette for like a, I think probably about 20 or 30 picks above his ADP to take him. Um, and I didn't get much from him, but he did give me some steals when I needed it. Um, and then was the, uh, and then, so I wait, I like to wait for, you know, the pitchers. Um, I definitely see the effectiveness and the, the, um, the allure of the pocket aces because, you know, it, it works. Um, but I, when I do it and when I've tried it, I've just failed to um, fill my roster in afterwards. Like I, you know, I haven't, you know, gotten that down yet. So I don't, um, this is the way I've always drafted. So I'm comfortable doing it. I try to look for like two anchor type pitchers that, you know, within the like range of outcomes that if everything falls in line, they could end up in the top 10. And I felt strong about Bauer and Lynn just giving me innings. And that was round five and seven. So those were great seven, picks. Yeah. Pick 72 and 102. And again, I was just targeting innings. I was like, all right, I want guys who I think they're just going to throw. Um, and Bauer, Bauer was a target because I had him grouped with, I had him grouped with um, Darvish, Giolito, and Nola um, as just like a similar skill set. Um, and that's how we'll get into that later when we talk about how I like to draft my teams. And um, but I was just happy with getting him um, at seventy-two at that point. Uh, Darvish went like. 48, I think. And I was just, you know, but when I took Bichette, I was almost taking Bauer, but um, I really wanted Bichette and thank God, you know, Bauer landed to me the, uh, there. And so, yeah, starting off with Bauer Lynn is, is what I like to do. Like last year in a league, I had Strasburg Castillo and it was like a similar thing. Like I didn't have to pay first, second round for them. And they ended up bringing pretty good anchors at one and two um, for me and was able to just really stack the bats. Um, is what I like to do. You know, that, that's the way I'm comfortable drafting. I feel like um, that's my wheelhouse. Um, but I definitely wouldn't be opposed to doing a pocket aces. I just have to get better at filling out my roster like after that. Um, so, and we'll try, it's about practice. I, I'm, I'm trying. I've tried both this year so far. We'll so, so we'll see how see how it turns out. I've never done the pocket aces, but I tried it for the first time in my in the last draft I did. So we'll see. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I've stumbled into it or like you know gotten it later. So it's there. I I I totally understand it, and I I love it. I just I gotta get better after that. There's got to be something to it because both Toby and Phil do it so i started thinking like this got there's got to be some sort of um math behind well, that no phil phil mostly goes hitters early uh like first two or definitely the first one and then he then he gets uh like the next five or six round pitches wasn't so. he wasn't he saying though that he started off with like maybe maybe there's his first time he said he did yeah, two, he did the two right. pitchers and then two closers but he yeah. doesn't that's like I obviously we, we, we drafted together. I forget what he I forget what he did there, but um we'll get into our prior army fan, but it's not about him. Keep going. <laughs> um and yeah, so the rest of my staff, uh sometimes we're talking about the staff, I'll just keep going with that real quick. Um yeah. I ended up um filling it out with Ryu um and uh, who's Ryu Musgrove, Keichel, and then obviously um like you mentioned earlier uh earlier Corbin Burns. Um which was huge getting getting him so late um but i like i liked ryu and keiko to just um i knew ryu had like somewhat of an injury history but it wasn't too bad um and i just wanted the guys to like throw some innings after that and they ended up just returning 
um, a shit ton of value for me. So I'm pretty happy I went that route um, and that they, you know, they ended up being what I wanted them to be. Um, Looks like you I, got a, you 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 got um, you took a lot of players that people were kind of scared of, or not 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 scared of, but like players that like Bauer and Ryu. People were sort of off of those guys for whatever reason. They had trepidation. They weren't they weren't players like that. Everyone like every, like this year, everyone's on Bichette, right? Everyone right. like he's you're, no way he's gonna fall. But like Bauer and Ryu, sometimes just like no one wanted them in drafts, right? Um, right. I like Bauer this year, but I was off of Ryu. So, but like it's, you sort of had to have balls to like to, to make those picks. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, like round 10 for Ryu. Um, and I mean, at that point, I, I, I tend to wait. If, if I don't do well in pitching, I tend to not get that third guy early enough. And he was almost one of those like, all right, like I need to take a picture here because I don't want to wait until that next grouping. I didn't like the next grouping. And um, I'll, I just – it was the right time to take a pitcher and he just happened to be the guy that I targeted right there, you know, and it was big because it's in, in terms of auction value, like I just totaled up like my pitching staff, like I could have bought my pitching staff for 55 bucks out of their average ADP and <laughs> they returned the value. Um, they, they returned the worth of 125. So they gave me like $70 in value that staff, which was pretty amazing. So um that, you know, that happened to just go right. So I was pretty happy about that. Um, another guy that was a big highlight was uh, Brandon Lau. Um, I picked him at 169 and right at the, at, on March 6th, his ADP was 202. So I jumped that. Um, well done. Yeah, I wanted that, you know, I, I felt the power threat was legit and was just hoping that he just wouldn't get um, platooned or, you know, left out of a role but that you know that was a hit what do you think about him this year how do you how do you how do you how do you, uh, how do you see his value but, i mean with second base being pretty weak and i keep yeah you know you'll get the streak and they ended off the season like not so hot but um I, i'll be right back on him again i think uh you know i just like the i like the skill set round five that's where he's going right now round five. That's, that's where he just went in the latest draft I just, i'm just like yeah. i'm just looking at the board that i'm in right now he went in round five i don't know if that's wow. really late compared to what he usually does that's a, that's a pretty yeah i, I you know like, i haven't really yeah i haven't really like valued my rankings for like you know like a dc draft that's why i haven't really jumped into it yet but um i have to look at that that seems a little high but uh again the like, first yeah. three we did He went 68, 80, 79. 68, 80. And 79. Those are the picks he went. Wow. The first three that we did on, on fan tracks that are going to get transferred over. Wow. Going to get transferred over into the NFBC. Oh, oh, it's going to get transferred? Okay, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Um, yes. Yeah, so. yeah, that seems a little high. You know, yeah. again, that's, that's – uh, yeah, I'll probably be staying away from that if that's if, if that's the cost. Um Let's see. Um, so another thing that I really wanted to highlight was, um, so obviously was looking to get some multi-positional guys. Um, really, mm. You know, was thinking in my head, uh, like I said, it's my, it was my first DC ever and really first like large draft and hold. So um, I definitely wanted to target that, but I didn't want to spend it early. Like um, I didn't want to like reach for Kingery or, you know, go higher than, um, above round 20 to like really target a guy for multi-positional eligibility. So um, Profar was a guy I targeted. Um, 
and I got him at in round 24, and then as Jubal Cabrera and Chris Taylor in round 29 and 31. Those are, which, those are money. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I just they were guys who just like have hit tools that keeps them in the lineup like almost like nearly every day. And um, Profar really never came out of the lineup no. this year, and um, so that was huge. You know, he 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 returned thirteen dollars of value at you know at pick three fifty and. Um, Chris Taylor, fourteen dollars of value at, at pick four sixty two, you know, and um, they were huge. And I, you know, I'm glad that I didn't reach for you know guys higher. I'm glad I waited and um, tried to get those multi positional guys. You know, I think that's like right about the threshold, like four four fifty, where you know guys really start become super platooned and. Um, you know, Cabrera though, and 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 Taylor. Taylor, I had I had him grouped with. Um, uh, actually, we'll get that into that later because you have Taylor on the list of guys that you want to hit through, right? So. Well, oh, that's um, right. That's pretty much right where we're at right now. Um, yeah, so, how, how do you? How are you using? How are you uh, calculating value? Which, what calculator are you using? Oh, so um, I was using the auction calculator on Fangraphs. Okay. Yeah. Um, just put in the settings for you know. Uh, the league and it spits out a value from last year's stats. Oh, so I didn't even know that existed to be it's honest. It's a pretty cool tool. Yeah. It's under, I believe, um, projections. Um, I do that. And sometimes I use the voter wire to the auction calculator there. They, you know, they're pretty similar. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I like to think like I've been in auction leagues so long, so it's just a way for me to, in my brain, like I know what that's worth. So I'm always trying to convert it to that and just so I can get like a better reference. Um, right. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. So yeah, you're talking like some of these players you've already mentioned, but I just, um, I just want to tell you that it looks like well, I looked at your team, the, the winning team, and you really like, um, you got, you got a lot out of your like, like mid round picks when I say mid round 25 to 37, I'll call it. Um, uh, And you didn't really get, you you can't really bank on anything after that um, with your team specifically, because like like people call them darts. Like, yeah, you can hit on a couple of them, but you'd like that. The team, the the winning team got nothing out of anything after pick 37. Right. It was just Javier. And then, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's just, it is a dart area. Like I, I, I had a, like some specific things that I wanted to, to target after that. Like uh, I definitely wanted the piece of the bullpen of the Rays. I didn't want to invest in Anderson and Castillo went a little high for me. Um, so that's why those, like most of the three of those darts were Fairbanks, Kittridge and Poche, uh, Poche and obviously two of them got hurt. So again, like I, I thought it was a decent process, just like looking for live arms on teams that may sprinkle yeah. it around, you know, um, just obviously two guys had season ended injuries. Um, Yosemaro Petit though, I mean, he, he was, he was solid too. I didn't have to use him that much because my staff was, you know, pretty well. Um, but he was just, you know, a shout out to Ryan Bloomfield, but his bloom boards, he tweeted that, you know, Petit is the only pitcher with a, um, under three Sorry. RA and yeah, and a 1.15 whip in each of the last four seasons. So, um, pretty cool and you know i got one one save from my last pick nick birdie <laughs> yeah so uh whatever it's, it's did, did, nothing, you, did you use him that week i did yeah nice yeah i happened nice. to use him yeah see a lot of those a lot of those guys like, it's, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around that like okay let's say you, you grab some like a, a reliever from tampa bay and like during like 
like when are you like if he's not anointed and crowned sir closer um how often can you use him really if you have if you have like seven or six good starting pitchers and then you have two legit closers you really have only one other spot is he gonna is he gonna make the cut so yeah, I right. guess when you're when you're when you're that late in the draft, then like even in this in this sprint, I guess it's like one week is is worth it. Yeah, it's just like you know that's my strategy too. Um, it was the one like the last point I uh, was wanted to get on the highlights of the season was um you know I don't tend to um draft closers you know early. Um, I like to speculate later on, like live in the like the Colomay, Melanson, Kinsler range, and then really take like, um, you know, high leverage arms on above 500 teams, you know, they have like low whips, I really try to target that. And like you're saying, like, you don't really know when you're going to use those guys. But if your staff is a little weaker, and it's not, you know, up to par, sometimes, you know, throwing a guy uh, like a like a Fairbanks in will give you six strikeouts and good ratios versus Jordan Lyles getting lit the fuck up. Like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, exactly. so it's, it's, it's again, right. It all comes down to roster construction and, and like what, so, but those, like, those were the kind of targets that, you know, again, they're darts and it was just, you know, like I was hoping that I didn't have to use them to count on anything. And, um, you know, and actually another guy that I used was pretty big. Um, when I had an injury, I think to Keiko was Alicia, Alicia, Hernandez he gave me like I had him in the lineup he gave me 15 innings a 20 Ks a 2.9 ERA and 0.8 whip so that was that was huge for like round 38 I'll take those 15 you know solid innings you know so um but yeah it definitely wasn't as good as you know that that um that 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 middle pack that I had from 25 to 35 with uh Burns Chris Taylor Tay Oscar um Ryan you know Presley and and uh, Will Myers, forget about yeah. Will Myers. So I, I, I see you took ha- Christian Javier in uh, round 37. He was a hot waiver wire. He was one of the hottest waiver wire pickups during the year in value leagues. I'll, t- I'll, I'll toot my own horn too. I, I, had, I had him in about nine of these DCs as well. I was drafting him in the 40s uh, or whatever. I think probably usually I could usually get him after round 40. Not if I drafted with you, evidently. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what did you see in him? And um, if, you, if you feel comfortable... Uh, do you have a guy for 2021 that you can see that has some similarities? I, you know what? I was looking at Houston's overall, um, you know, I'm not, I, I, I didn't predict Justin Verlander getting hurt, but I think around that time he already reported like one thing being off. It was, I think it was his lap, but just um, all the guys in general scare me. So I was just looking at their staff and Lance coming back, um, not knowing if he was going to be able to pitch the whole year. So I knew I wanted to target one of those, you know, astral arms, um, Javier, Val, uh, Framber, and, um, and Javier just was a top, like, he wasn't a super top prospect and he had some like lights out strikeout numbers that a lot of people were questioning whether he was going to be able to translate that into the league but I felt like he just had a profile that screamed like he wasn't going to be like Cy Young but he wasn't going to be bad either you know almost like uh you know just a a good stable arm that you know was going to maybe come in and throw some innings for the Astros on a good team again so um that was my thinking with Javier it wasn't really um anything that stood out but I think except for the fact that I don't think he you know showed a profile that said he was going to be terrible when he came in to the league so and for 
for a guy this year, um, I mean, if you want a guy with like no MLB experience or um, some, is, does that matter to you? Because uh, I wrote down a couple of guys. I wrote down a couple of comps for Burns and Javier. So for yeah, Burns, oh, I'd love to hear. Like, I, this is this is gold. This is exactly what I. This is exactly why I have a podcast is to hear this <laughs> this stuff. So for like a similar to um to Corbin Burns, I'm looking at guys like Trevor Rogers, um. Alzalay on the Cubs and Keegan Aiken on the Orioles. Um, and can't forget about post-type uh, prospect who also got hurt and uh, Brendan McKay on the Rays. You know, obviously we don't know how the Rays are going to finagle their guys, two, three, four innings, but he was a top prospect. And I, you know, um, I liked what he showed when he was in the majors. So um, keep an eye on him. And um, Adrian Morjon, is that how you say his last name on the podcast? Sure. Yeah. sure. Um, I like his skill set too, to be in that like Corbin Burns, um, maybe like you know, mid 30s can can kind of rise with you know, Corbin Burns twitches pitch make pretty dramatically, and you know, I don't know what these guys plan to do in their next step, but um, those are kind of like there's some of the thresholds they hit for me were close to what Burns had available. And for like a Javier comp, I know he pitched good in the playoffs, but Bryce Wilson, uh, I don't know where he's going and, or, you know, if he's gone in, he's gone in like the 400s, maybe 500s. Like I think okay. I got him, I got him in maybe one or two leagues so far. Okay. So yeah. So then that's a guy exactly like a Javier. Um, um, I like uh, I like what I see from him. And, you like him or um, Kyle Wright more? Who would you take? I like Bryce Wilson more going forward, and 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 not um, you know for this year and for the future too. I don't think he's gonna be like a, a stud stud, but I think he's just gonna be one of those pitchers that just gives you uh, and and gives the Braves like innings and just like a stable skill set. You know, not like Cy Young, but uh, just a solid three. Yeah. consistently um and the other guy i wrote down for a javier cap was um ethan small on the brewers okay he's a, i know he's, he's pretty young and he got drafted in 2019 but um uh, some of the things i've read seem to be like he might get an accelerated path into the majors so he might be a he might be a guy to look at good to know I, I, I think i have him maybe in a dynasty league or two but um yeah now he was he, he's really been off the radar in these leagues so far he hasn't been drafted yeah. So, and like, and another thing, you know, I, I, I kind of, um, uh, there's a, there's a drafting style that Ron Chanda made popular called, um, extreme regression drafting. Um, so what he did is like, you know, you build this core, core guys, stable core guys, but he does this exercise where he takes anyone who has risen over like 70 to 180 P and anyone who's fallen, 70 to 180p and like see where you can leverage the market those guys see why they kind of felt like they're falling so far you know and you know i know you said they might like they might you know fix itself maybe by the time february march comes around but i think there's a couple of guys that i noted that were were they just they look pretty low to the fact that you know you may want to look at them. I think it was like one guy I picked out with like Odorizzi. You know he had like 180, yeah. 180 ADP last year, and now he's you know in the threes. Like uh, well, that was on the two early mocks. I don't know what he did in the DCs. Well, you know uh, the DC. I I, I have a, I have an Excel sheet that has all the uh, the first three uh, DCs we did in fan tracks. Um, yeah. So I, I have it all in Excel. He went 439, 351, and four hundred five. Yeah, so that's a guy, you know, like that's a guy I'm like 
I'm going to look at his injury. I'm going to look at what's going on because from 180 to 400 is, you know, that screams, you know, there might be value, you know, obviously that that's value, you know, possibly like it's a 200 pick jump. Um, another guy I wrote down was uh, Scott Kingery, you know, with 160 yeah. ADP and I don't know what he, you know, in the two early mocks again, he was in like the 335s. So I don't know what he was in the DC, but that's another guy I'll take a look at and say, what's going on with him. Let me take a stab at him. I'll take He's a stab at him. 358. 391,289. So there's a big, there's, it's a big variance. There's a lot, there's a big standard deviation to where he's going. And these are just the, these are just the first three. So I've done, yeah. there's been more since then. He hammered the, the ball. The last three weeks, if you really take a look at his stat cast,
you can't count on him at a guy like a 30 round pick to like be your number three or four starter. And I think that's where you have to take into like account. Like you have to factor that in in your head. Like, do you have a reasonable expectation of this pitch, uh, you know, of this pick, you know, and my expectation was if he gets better gravy and I could just throw him into the rest of the team. And if he's terrible, then, you know, Oh, well, you know, round 31 pick. Well, um, what else can we say? What, can, what else can we talk about with, about this draft? Um, I guess are you, are, are you, well, I've sort of, talk about the, uh, the, the speculative closer route that I, yeah. that, that, that I took again, like, I know I mentioned that I don't like to really, you know, go closers too early. I took Keeler in round 13. Um, and then I didn't, um, I took in rounds 23, 25 and 26, I took Pagan Presley Barnes. So I thought, yeah, yeah. Presley was a beast. Presley was, you know, uh, probably one of my team MVPs. The fucking guy had two saves and a double header in one day. Um, oh, yeah. And then, that was like, you know, I, I, I didn't do the math, but I, I, I would guess that without Presley, you don't win the, you don't win the overall. Yeah, probably not because that save bump was just tremendous. Um, and it's funny because I remember almost thinking, um, approaching this draft was like, all right, let me just try to win this league. You know, like, let me try to, I, like I said, my first year playing NFBC, wanted to just try to get some bankroll. And I thought that the best approach to winning the league was especially to just, you know, wait on on saves and just you know try to get as many as i can to be competitive in it and um that just ended up working out you know perfectly but again like going back to my strategy i just uh i like taking the next man up and i felt like in this dc with no pickups you know i thought that was pretty pretty pivotal to a pretty pivotal to get um the next man up and in in at least two or three spots and i was so happy to get those guys especially barnes too because um i didn't really trust workman and i knew he was a free agent and i think that's something that um you know uh sidebar like it's something to really look out for you know that's actually gonna be my first prep for for the you know a DC in a couple of weeks is just looking at free agency and who, you know, who's going to like be Get ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it's really something, you, you know, that you have to account for, you know, what do you, what do you think about Brad hand? Just while, while we're on the topic, uh, do you have any thoughts on him yet? Or do you still have to dive into it a bit? Because um, uh, the reason, reason I'm asking is because I'm, I'm in a DC right now. He just went in the eighth round. Yeah. You see, like, you know, like my, like I said, my whole strategy was like waiting on closers and I also just eliminate as much of the player pool as I can. So sometimes I don't even think about guys like that. I know the main event is different and I'll have, you know, like I have to, you know, get a better strategy going forward for that because I tried to, um, I got sucked into the early closer way that way and I just got killed. I picked the wrong guys, but, um, yeah, I um sorry, I think I got away from your question. Uh <laughs> what was my question? I think I got away from my own question. Um, <laughs> uh, think, was it? Actually it was uh, no, it was about fading closers we talked about. It was, uh, I, think, yeah. I think you asked yourself oh, yeah, eighth that, round. I, think you, I think you asked yourself this question. Eighth round bread. Eighth round bread. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry, Brad yeah, Brad Hand in the eighth round. Sorry. So That's like right. already I'm on the fan, like I'm not even gonna be looking at him for DC. I'm not even looking at, I'm not looking in that range. So any closes in that range, I probably won't even read up on yet until like the main comes and I'm ready to, you know, have to get closes in that league, but Fair enough. Um, that's not my strategy. So like I said, I'm really trying to eliminate the play pool. I know a lot of guys talk about that. Um, then making that, you know, that's a good transition into what we're going to talk about next, like eliminate the, because the next question was, um, how do you deter, like, what's your overall strategy? Because you said you like talking about this, 
uh, most, and so do I. Like, uh, what worked for you? Um, uh, how do you how do you construct your roster? And I think you're you're getting into it. And I interrupted you. I'm sorry, but um, just to just to sort of get the topic that we're the, the topic um, out there. Um, roster construction, and you're talking about just eliminating players. And I know that that's a strategy some people use. Right. Yeah. Eliminating players. Um, just seeing, you know, just focusing on guys that pop to you, guys you think that can make an impact on your roster, however many you think it could be, 150, 200. Um, obviously, for a DC, you know, you definitely want to know the player pool, but it doesn't mean you have to get in-depth on every single body. That's just my um, opinion. But um, so when I when I attack a draft, so um, I'm a I'm – I'm like a, a product of the Mayberry method that Baseball HQ employs and the uh, BAB system that Ron Chandler does. So what I do is I, I take my own observations of players and I and those two systems aid me in like establishing um, basically like a tiering of skill sets. And in those tiers, I have like buckets of players that share like a similar profile. So I'm, I'm not trying to find um, what's different about players. I like to find like who who's the same like who's a similar profile that you know with a couple of gusts of wind and a couple of this and that their stats can be in the same range and then I just try to attack the ADP that way so um basically I just put players in like buckets of skill sets and um try to see where I can leverage a market you know from there and then I target that player that, that I can get later, you know, and um, prioritize other skill sets. I'll push those other skill sets up that maybe I can't get later in the draft. Maybe um, give, give, it a, give an example from maybe last year of that. Um, for like a specific uh, player? You, yeah, give me an example of a skill set, like a, a skill set you're targeting. Like um, give me an example of like maybe two players that are in the same bucket and one that you would, that you would target because you can just get them so much cheaper. Okay, so um, even though uh, you know Justin Turner didn't light the world on fire this year, um, I have him. I had him coming into the year grouped, grouped with guys um, like uh, Meadows, Rendon, um, and Castellanos. And so to me, um, I just felt like uh, their power and like and their batting uh, tool was just close enough to that I could like roster that skill set later on. So whenever those guys came up in the draft, I was just like, okay, well, I can get this profile later. Um, and like a Justin Turner, again, like, we're not saying that, I'm not saying that Turner is going to do 30 or hundred like Nolan Arenado, but um, I don't think it's without the range of outcomes that he could do, you know, 25 and 90 or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, so that's how I like to, you know, approach that. So I'll give you that with Turner. And then if we take a look at another guy, um, Let's see. Um, you know what? Maybe maybe we'll we'll talk about uh, about a guy like Chris Taylor. Let me pull him up for a second. I just didn't uh, trust him because of Lux. I just didn't trust him. He got the playing time this year. I was I was off. I know, I know. It it, it definitely was something that um, like I, again I'm talking about like where I got him, but like in terms of like his profile, I had him in a bucket with like Tommy Edmond, and he actually outstole mm. Tommy Edmond this year. Wow. Um, and <laughs> And again, like, uh, I'm not saying Chris Taylor is going to steal 15 bases, but is it likely that Edmonds and, and, and Taylor are, th you know, four or five stolen bases away from each other? Sure. You know, and I'll take the, like, the known power um, from Taylor, you know, over that. So, um, so that's just 
like two small examples of of how like uh, I try to leverage the market like that. I, I, I mean, even I, Trevor Bauer. So I'll give you Trevor Bauer. Like, you know, I mentioned that earlier about um. About what about what, what about um? This this is a new, like I I don't do it formally, but I I in my head I have the same thought. I have a similar thought process. I had Julio Urias and Jesus Lazaro last year. Oh, I said. Right. I, I think I, don't, I said not much of a difference and they consistently were going through, they both got pushed up in the sprint season, but they were always like two rounds apart from each other. So I'm like, right. give me, give me Urias all day. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you could, whatever, you know, cause there's so much stats and so many metrics that, uh, that we could look at. So whatever you use to value your players, you know, and you find that it works for you. Um, yeah. When you find like um, if something pops to you and say, well, these guys look like the similar profile, you know, like why, you know, why am I, you know, uh, you know, I wrote an article on my website, um, pullhitter.com, but I didn't draft any of these guys, but the, the article I wrote was about um, like Gleyber Torres and Moose. And there was two guys who are just, if you looked at like, um, you know, all the other metrics, of their skill sets, you know, you find that they were pretty close. They were like a couple percentages away from each other. And, you know, again, it's just like that Yankee tax and just being able to see that and say, all right, well, I can get a similar skill set, you know, 80 picks later. Um, but mm -hmm. it's just, it, that's just how like I'm comfortable doing it. I'm not a projections guy. Um, I see the value in it, of, of course, talking, you know, to, you know, guy like Phil um, who, you know, bases it off of that and, and puts his own things, um, I use it to keep like keep me honest. If I like feel high on a guy and I look at his projections, I'm like, okay, like maybe I'm a little off somewhere. Let me find where I can be off. Um, so I'm not um, like mathematically inclined to make models. Um, I just find it easier, like I said, to group these guys in similar buckets and then just try to leverage the market um, with that. Now, there's one guy that I'm, I don't know why my mind's racing towards this guy when you're talking about <laughs> buckets. Um, because uh, when, when we're talking, my mind's like going a million miles a minute right now, just like <laughs> thinking about all these buckets of players. And, I'm, and I don't know why, but this player came to me and like, I don't, I, I can't put him in a bucket at all. Um, he's a hitter and I don't, he, he's going in the, like in the round, the third round. And I can't really put him in a bucket with players that are like going ahead of him in the like round one and two, but I can't really take a hitter, um, I can't really find a bucket of a hitter that's after him, except for maybe Nelson Cruz, but he, but Nelson Cruz does carry that risk in so many ways. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't. Marcelo Zuna. Do you, oh, do you, Marcelo. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, what, are your, what are your thoughts there? Because like, I, I can't really put a comp to him anywhere else. Like, like I know you like the, like the, the Turner bucket. I can, I can see that, but I don't see anyone like him really. Maybe, maybe Eloy, um, to a degree, but not really. Right. Um, it's tough because he just ripped off, you know, a really impressive season. His stack cast profile was through the roof. Like his percentile rankings in, in every stack cast was through the roof. He was in a sick lineup, which I think helped him. You know, he saw, I think, maybe some better pitches to hit. Um, I, I don't know. He's a tough guy because I know he's – I don't like where he's going now, you know. Um I didn't even like where he was going last year. I thought it was too early because um, I thought, again, like, um, so we're talking about buckets of skills. So I had him last year. He was actually in one of my biggest, uh, biggest tiers of skills. Um, uh, so, again, he was a guy where I saw, like, I, I can get this later. I can get this later. This profile, I don't know if it's new, 
you know, what he did this short season, it was very impressive. Um, but where he's going now, I'm totally out. You know, third round, you said? Third, fourth round? Third, third round, usually. Yeah, nah. So, uh, again, that's so – if I see that the that the thing that 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 that's locked in, and he's like like you mentioned standard deviation. If 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 I'm seeing it's still not a guy I'm like even paying attention to. All right, so not, you're talking you're not you're not targeting that skill set in the third round, whatever whatever it is. Um, yeah. Do you have do you have a place in the draft where you're targeting certain positions or certain stats? Um, I, I think you know what ahead. I I don't um, I I. I I just want to be flexible enough to like go with like the trend of the league too. Cause I feel like um, I used to do this in my head and, and, and not pay attention to like, you know, the overall stats in the league. And obviously, you know, when we get better and you know, we play, we see the trend, you see what league league averages are and start saying, okay, like what can I do different on my roster? Um, and so I try not to get too tied up into, oh, I'm not going to take a shortstop early because there, there's a lot of them later. And that's true. But, you know, I, I'll take Trevor Story every day in the first round, um, but, you know, that late. And um, so, yeah, I try not to get um, – catchers is a position that, like, um, I, I'm with Toby. I love JTR. Like, every year I, I want to take him in, the, in, like, the second or third round because I just think that – and it's probably because, like I just showed you, in 1994, Piazza – I had Mike Piazza on my team, and I probably think, like, offensive catchers are just, like, you know, the, scar, uh, the positional scarcity. Um, so, and, you know, with – I guess I just like to approach it – again, I think we mentioned with the pitching, waiting – um, not going too early for pitching and closers, um, unless there's a great value that's falling, then, you know, I'll, uh, I'll try to, I'll try to grab it if I think it's worthwhile, but, um, no, I don't have like a, like a specific, uh, attack on, um, like when I'm going to get specific, uh, stats, I guess you want to say, because I'm not chasing the stats, I'm chasing the skill set. So, um, but I will, I will try to stay with hit tool and speed as much as I can up top. Um, because I think that gets, uh, I don't want stolen base guys that are just going to hurt anything else on my team because, um, there's more power than ever. Uh, and there's less speed than ever. So my whole theory on that is like, I need less speed overall to compete. You know, uh, even if you don't want to try to win the category. Um, so, and any batter who's going to give me zero power, um, or a zero hit tool, then you're just making the rest of my team worse. So I don't, I don't like, that's why I'll prioritize that a little bit up top, the speed and the hit tool. Are you someone that just doesn't want to, that doesn't want anything to do with a guy like Joey Gallo that just would kill you in that one category or? I'm not going to say totally not want to do with him because, um, you know, like a rabbit, like the opposite. Who is that? Or like the opposite, like a rat, like the the rabbits, like the guys that just just steal bases, like uh, right, uh, right, like your Malik Smith, right, yeah, yeah, no, no, thanks. Uh, I don't look at Malik Smith. That whole profile again, I throw away. Don't even dive into that. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah, I like that fifteen fifteen guy, the twenty twenty guys. I'll live with those guys all day, and even 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 you know ten ten, you know eight eight. You know, uh, like what I said, that's why I love Chris Taylor. He was just a guy who was doing, you know, 15 and eight every year, 15, nine. Like I'll take that, you know, cause he doesn't help. He doesn't hurt me in power. He's not killing me in average, you know? Um, 
we you need the power you know especially like in the dc i think like where you can't stream um you know hitters every week that are maximizing ab's um you want to have those skill sets you know um locked in that they're not going to like hurt you out so yeah i that's another player pool out malik smith out um, joey gallo no like not totally off joey gallo because you know um the guy the guy hits the ball so hard that you know you 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 just want to trust you know, so all he got to do is square up a little more or you know all he got to do is you know he fi- he finds the groove but he's not a guy at target but he's not a guy i would say no way to you know i guess to be a guy like in a bucket with miguel sano like just gets to the value sano later probably right right and you know what you know you know that's i had i had teoscar in 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 the same bucket come into the season which why i was so high on him but um i also like teoscar's sprint speed and um I read uh, I read a great article by Alex Chamberlain on you know the the launch angle tightness like the cl- uh, the standard deviation of the launch angles and mm. he just showed that he was hitting um, balls in the optimal range consistently so um, it was something that like really piqued my interest and when I dove into it a little more he has a ton of work on that it's it's really interesting so it was just a thing that you know I know it, it, it's not like a predictive. Um, tool but i it was something that i was thinking in my head it makes sense intuitively like you know this guy's hitting the ball hard um in the range in the in the launch angle that's optimal you know to to have good numbers so um and he could sprinkle in some speed i don't think he's going to be a 290 300 hit at teoska but i you know 250 you know i think someone michael Mion just retweeted um I forgot who posted the original tweet, but Teoscar's last 162 games, you know, 40, 41 homers, 260, you know, 11 stolen bases. Uh, sure. You know, sign me up. <laughs> it's fucked, it's <laughs> fucked up that um, Vladimir Guerrero is now like getting consistently drafted after Bichette and Teoscar and Biggio. He's like the fourth yeah. Jay off the board in fantasy. It's like you, if you told me that at the beginning of 2019, I would never have believed you. That's that's a guy you got to ask Toby about because you know we had an interesting thing about uh, which one, uh, Vlad. Yeah. Vlad. Well, yeah, no, we were just talking about again how he he hits the ball so hard into the ground, you know. But you know, um, when, I, I listened to that. I think I think he said he's just not going to be a good major league hitter. Right. You know. But you know what? I on the flip side, to Ryan Bloomfield on my podcast made a great point, and he said, you know, he hits the ball hard and he hits into the ground. Like, what's harder to learn, right? hit the ball hard is harder to learn. So if he can, you know, fix, you can fix lifting, but you can't, you can't just start smashing the ball. Like that's not a skill that, you know, he's got quick hands, his bat speed is insane. um, And he hits the ball hard. So those things are in place. So, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think it will happen. You know, Um, he hasn't shown it. Um, He's slamming a lot of balls into the ground, but, uh, I, I, it's tough. It's a tough, it's, he's like a tough guy to really now, I just think it's just going to take a couple of adjustments and, you know, we're going to see it, you know. Yes, he's got to, he's got to have the right guy, guru coach. He's got to have, think he's it's gotta have the right, he needs a right, sen- he needs a new sensei. He needs, yeah, <laughs> it, it can't be pops anymore. Is no. it still pops? <laughs> hey dad, can you show me how to hit a 57 foot pitch? Yeah, no. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think another thing I look at is max exit velocity, and Vlad has that. And um, right. that's the reason why um, – do, um, do, do, do you find that useful at all? Max exit, that, max exit yeah. velocity? Yeah. Uh, two, two guys that have sort of fallen this year um, that, um, that were higher – obviously top draft picks last year 
are one, Kettle Marte, and two, Javier Baez, both with um, excellent exit velocities. So that does give you that does give you some. Uh, do you, do you, what do you read into that for for their performance uh, in the future? Um, I'm I'm in on both of those guys this year. Um, you know, I like the I I like the whole Max Max EV. Uh, I know there's been a ton of there's been a ton of work on it, ton of articles on it. I know Alex Chamberlain again just came out with a new uh, a newer article on it. I haven't got a chance to read it yet. Yeah, same. I saw it. I haven't I haven't read it yet, but I will. Yeah, I'm de- I'm de- I'm definitely looking to get into that. And um, but no, like it, it makes sense, you know. And Phil talked about it too. Like he, he that's that that's a skill. Like hitting the ball hard is a a skill and when um Marte is just you know I I'll take his skill set all day where he's going like what is he going in in your DCs I know too early mocks he was in the 80s like yeah Marte I'll tell you I'll tell you where he went in the three that we did at first kettle he went 88 78 78 Jesus Christ and then I do gotta get in a draft why because do you want to get him there? You know, <laughs> tell you, oh, wait, wait till you hear this. Baez, not, well, not Pedro Baez, not have your Baez, 63-96-70. Yeah, you know, again, you know, like we were just talking about like that extreme regression drafting, right? You know, like, so maybe now you don't go 70 to 100 picks up and down. You narrow it down to 20, 30 within the first five or six rounds and you get a guy like Baez who's, you know, 30 ABP. Now he's, at 60, um, still, you know, 27, I think, 27, 28, still can flash that power, speed, average combo, you know, I, I'm, and, and like you said, still can hit the ball really hard. So whether it was the, the video that's messing him up and who knows if they get the video or whatever, I don't know, but I'll, I'll trust that he didn't use video all his life smashing the ball, you know, um, and that he will be pretty a pretty good investment this year. Yeah, so I'll tell you where they went. Um, Bias went to pick. I'm, I'm in. I'm in another one right now. Bias went pick 100. 100. And, and um, Kettle Marte went pick 81. Yeah. I, I guess mean, you got. I guess you got both of them. You know when I when I look at a guy like Marte. So coming into this year, I had him with um, a similar skill set as Azzy Albe's um, wit. Tim Anderson um, and Adam Eaton, um, even though not to the not to the same measure as those other guys, but similar skill sets. And I, I still think he's with those guys, you know. And if he's if he's that much later than them, you know. So you're you're out on Albies? No, not at all. No. You like, so you like you like Albies in round two, right? I saw well, that. That's, 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 where, that's where he's going. He's not coming out of round two. He went he went um, pick third pick of the second round. And third pick of. Okay, third, and then I also saw on, uh, you know, Greg Ambrose just posted that I think he went um as high as eighteen in one of the drafts. So, uh, that would that would be this draft that I'm talking right? about. That was that was in that draft. Oh, they're in that draft. Yeah, that's that's the third pick of the second round, eighteen. Right. Third, oh yeah, that's what you said. Sorry, I thought you yeah. said third round. My bad. Yeah. Uh, that's, no, sorry. Yeah, my, my bad. That's that's um, that's nice. I mean, I think that's. Uh, I don't think that's a reach per se, uh, because I just think that everything is there for him to just continue to produce. Like, I guess you want to, like, people can label him as a compiler, you know, with the at-bats, top of the lineup, maybe in the Braves, if he gets it back up there. Um, just 
skill set still reads pretty pretty solid to me. And the hand injury seemed to come back pretty solid after that hand oh, yeah. injury. So, I think, that's, I think that's, that's some recency bias there. In our, yeah. in our, in our main, I took him in this, like last year, I, I think I jumped, I mean, I said, his, I said his min pick in the main in our main event last year, the second round. Uh, yeah. didn't, didn't work out for me. Uh, but I, I don't think it's a problem with the process. I think it's just a problem with them. Right. No, that no, that's great process because my 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 second round goal was my second or third round goal was um in that main with Albies and and Baez, you know, and um you know when you took them pretty early, I was like, okay, you know, he's gonna have to pick the Baez, but there's nothing wrong with that pitch. Didn't Phil get Baez in that in that league? He did. He did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, another guy he worked past, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you're not really upset that uh, in, in in hindsight, you're not upset that both those players got taken. Right, right. But, in hindsight, but yeah, yeah. yeah definitely, guy they wanted for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, so, um, do you want to talk about starting pitching? I know. I don't. Let me know if you have to go at at, at any point. But um, uh, do you want to talk about like your approach to starting pitching? And we've already talked about it quite a bit, I believe. But like. Yeah. Um, like how, how many like where 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 are you targeting pitchers? But you said you don't. You already said you don't really target a position. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I try to, I try to um, determine ahead of time, like where I might, you know, where I want to take a guy and uh, Bauer, like I said, um, in this, I mean, in the DC specifically um, for this draft, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get um, one solid pitcher to start and I didn't want to do it early. So I waited for Bauer. Um, I just, uh, that's just, the way I'm comfortable drafting. So once I get better at pocket aces, I think I'll probably try to use it more. I just, like, you know, I think like we've mentioned, you just gotta, I just have to fill it out better after the fact. What do you but, mean by fill it out? Because I, I find, the, I found the same thing. I went pocket aces for the first, I yeah, never, I, I never do. I never did. I'm like, okay, I gotta try this. I tried it in I the guess, last draft I did. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess because like, I'm not comfortable um, because I haven't done it that much. So I don't know how to, you know, really fill out the rest of my team after that. Um, um, you know, I just have to really crunch down like how, how to fill out, uh, just the rest of my roster position after that. And then, then when next to go back to pitching, you know, and I think that's one thing, um, that I messed up on in one league I did pocket aces is when do you return back to pitching? Right. You know, um, don't wait too long. Cause in your head, you're like, ah, you know, I got these two studs. It's done but it's not, you know, and I think that's where I messed up in my brain. It's telling me, you know, you got, you went pitcher first and second round, like don't, you don't have to pick one until round 12, you know, but mm -hmm. I think that's where um, I have to train myself to just say, okay, it, it is okay to pick, you know, three pitches, maybe in the top eight, you know, rounds. Um, not, again, not my preference, but just have to get comfortable doing it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so do you, I, do you have a, like a cutoff for like when you want to get your top six pitchers or uh, I guess, A, are you comfortable? Like, I guess we're talking about a DC. Are you comfortable having less than six starting pitchers that you can slot like stuff, like not studs, but pitchers that you can start regardless of matchup. Um, are you comfortable having less than six? And then if you're not, when do you want to have those six by? And I guess that would change year to year. Um, I guess it would kind of change year to year um again this was my first shot at it so i didn't know what the best approach was and in my head um you know you know i think like in in general too when i'm drafting for pitching um just want to 
I feel safe with guys who I feel like can just give me innings. A guy like Keiko, uh, you know, guy like um, even Rich Hill for a couple starts. But you know, just um, well, you know, they won't be like or Kyle Hendricks. You know, everyone loves a Kyle Hendricks, like a stabilizer, and then trying to hit with your other arms. You know, like um, really high upside arms. Um, I think I'm going to try to get five or six pitchers a little earlier than I did this year um especially that the last couple um but I also have it in my head to try a couple of different DC strategies I think one I'm gonna actually just I think this may be the first team I do I think I might just draft a team off of last year's ADP and just see how it goes um and not and not like take any I'm not saying I'm gonna take any adjustments from this short season, but I'll stay away from extreme, um, extreme risers and fallers and just basically stay in the middle, you know, safe. Yeah. Um, I think I might try something like that. And I think I may try something where I take hitters, um, again, like really top five, six picks, and then maybe roll off eight or nine pitchers in a row. Yeah. Um, I guess the good thing about being in multiple drafts, you can do different, multiple things. Right. And, but yeah. And on the flip side too, I'm thinking in my head, like, you know, is this the right path? Like, you know, like you, you, you want to get more exposure. You want to try different things. I won. So I'm like, Oh yeah, let me do some more leagues now. But in the same way, it's like, is it going to take away to how much I put into one strategy and make that one strategy perfect, you know, as perfect as I like it. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think I'm going to try some different, um, hit or put um pitcher splits that way you know and it, especially because i feel like you know i think we mentioned like after four 400 450 the the steady batters kind of just you know platoon just plays heavily after that so maybe just do a whole run of pitching after that you know like i don't know uh, but um i definitely think it's important to be flexible and like you said lead trends you know pay attention um pay attention to guys going less, you know, less on the mound, you know, less per start. So how, how are we going to counter that? You know, is there going to be a rise of, of middle reliever? Is the piggyback going to get like uh coveted or, you know, who knows, uh, you know, it's all to be uh, studied upon for the next five or six months. <laughs> right on. Um, so I think we went through everything. Um, I, I do have one more question that, um, that I, that I, that I asked, um, uh, Kevin, when he was on before, just because we're talking about roster construction, okay, um, and that's that's the, that's the one thing that I'm that I'm super interested in right now, right? Um, because player evaluation is what it is. There's so many things you can do, but I guess if there's one, I guess skill. I asked the same question before. Is there one skill that you that you've acquired over years of playing fantasy baseball that that um, that you've been successful harnessing in terms of like? roster construction oh this is a good question um so just like the like the biggest thing i've learned i'll, I'll tell you what Ke- i'll tell you what kevin said and um just to yeah sure to, just to buy some, but i'll buy you some time here um uh, <laughs> um what do you, what do you what, because it's a tough question that's and like the what roster construction to turn the story just thro- gets, gets thrown out but it's like really it's it's easy to say yeah yeah I, I i'm worried about roster construction but what actually is that like how do you how do you get good at that he said working backwards and when he when he said just finding players that he liked um like w- lower in the adp and then knowing that he could 
sort of um, pass on certain players earlier because he knows they're always there um, at the end. And he didn't, he didn't really, he didn't really have like a position or, or a stat that he targeted. He, he was the same as you. He, he said, no, not, like, I don't target a position or stat at any particular time, but he's like that in terms of roster construction, working backwards was his answer to that. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll go back to what I was saying before and, and it's pretty close to what he's saying. Like when you can identify that late ADP and working backwards or, you know, I put my players in buckets and say, okay, I can get this profile around 20. So I try to, you know, I try to determine that. And I, I that's probably the best, you know, one of the best answers. Yeah. Is like knowing when you can acquire a, a skill set later on in the draft so you can use, you know, higher picks for maybe uh, a scarcer, you know, resource or, or, you know, something that you can't find late in the draft. And I think that's key. I, you know, that's probably one of the biggest keys to roster construction, knowing your player pool. I mean, I, I probably, you know, I never went this deep in a draft to so the draft champions, you know, I, I bought the uh, baseball HQ minor league analyst, you know, I, I read farming reports, prospects live fan tracks, you know, I tried to learn about, even though I know I wasn't going to target a lot of rookies, I just felt like it was important to know, you know, where I might want to take any of these guys, you know, and depth charts. Um, and I think, I think what's, what's big too is like, you know, make sure you're on your news, you know, Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman, the mind in the news, right. You know, like really. And I feel like the way I evaluate my players, I don't try to spend all that time, um, you know, with uh, doing like um, like a projection build and and trying to get so perfect. And I think the time that I don't spend doing that, I could spend in really dissecting, um, you know, how 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 the individual major league teams are are, you know, what the depth chart is, you know, what is the possibility that this guy can fall into playing time, or what is the possibility that this next man up in the bullpen can, uh, you know, can can get the get the save job, you know? So I think it's little things like that. That's really, really deep roster construction. But I, I agree with Kevin though. Like you really have to know where you want to want to get guys later on. And that helps you earlier on to, you know, uh, attack things, you know, how you want to, you know? Yeah, and I, I agree. I think it's uh, definitely yeah. something, something that, something that's always uh, subliminally sitting around in your head, but right. it's uh, putting pen to paper might, might actually, um, and you know what? I mean, I'll expand a little more because, um, you know, we talked about it um, on my podcast. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much every single one because I bring it up all the time. It's like, you know, knowing your biases, you know, like recency bias, confirmation bias, um, primacy bias. These, these are real things. These are real things that people struggle with in real life and, you know, or not struggle with, but they, it's the real thing that, that goes through your brain all the time. And when it comes to fantasy, it could really damage, really damage how you manage your team. So just make sure you're not, you know, you're not drafting off the last 60 games only, you know, make mm-hmm. sure, you know, make sure the two weeks that a guy was crappy, make sure he wasn't hurt. Like, do you do diligence? Like do you do your homework? And um, because, you know, I think, that's that's big it's huge like recency bias really bites you really bites everybody you know and mm-hmm. i think that's uh, drafting early right now is you know it, it would be it's so hard to fight that because what you just saw you know and yeah. also primacy bias too is you know like really um you know 
we talked about it with like uh, Toby as well. It's like, you know, you got a guy that comes off to a good start week one or two. You're so focused on Fab, who you want to pick up, who you want to do next. In week six, you said, what's this? This guy's been hitting 100 for the last four weeks, you know, so stay on top of things like that, you know, like really. Um, and that's, you know, that that's why I I kind of like doing like the best ball like now. I think that's going to be great because um, it, I think, limit your exposure to fab leagues and, and lineup leagues. So you can really focus on that and not be scattered uh, on a 12 hour Saturday and Sunday, you know, trying to make lineups and like, like that. So, you know, if people work better with less leagues, you know, maybe do that, you know? Yeah. That's a, I think the, yeah. I think the best fault the NFBC is going to have this year. I think that's going to be, that's going to be like, they're going to be printing money. I think it's going to be very popular, 100%. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like that's, and, a no, that's a no-brainer. Like, Fantrex had that. And, um, and yeah, that, that people, that, people that played NFBC would mi- migrate to Fantrax to play that. I was going to. Now, I might not. I might just, right. just, I might just because it's easier to keep all your leagues in the same, in the same platform. Right. And um, so, it, I think they're, they're, they're private leagues with no overalls, right? Yeah. It's, it, it, so, it's, it's a good payout, too. Yeah. So that's another league that, you know, we should get something going like a, like a, you know, like a podcast league or something like that. You know, if we can get 12 guys. For, for best ball. Actually, yeah. yeah. You know what? Um, you know, Brian Seymour. Um, yeah. 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 He, he, well, he just started a best ball podcast and uh, he, yeah. he, he was talking to me a little bit and he wanted to get that going. So we should talk with, we should talk to him offline. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that'd be cool. You know? Yeah. And then maybe even to like, um, you know, we could do some shows and, uh, you know, geared toward like the leagues we play in. I think that would be kind of cool. Like if we get some guys that are, you know, that are in the industry yeah. and like, you know, like every week or every other week, maybe we could sit down and do like a quick hit of like, Hey, you know, what's going on in this league. And even if it's best ball, we're not making lineup decisions. We'll just talk about like, Hey, you know, yeah. this guy's I'm, I'm smoking you in this league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Want to <Exactly>. know. <laughs> hey, yeah, well, you know, I, I've got, a, I've got a problem. So I'll never say no to uh, a fantasy league. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's, I know. It's, a, it's a serious problem. So, um, really is. yeah. <laughs> All right. On that yeah. note, I'll, I'll let you go. Um, it's, um, thanks, thanks for your time. And, um, yeah, man, uh, again, it. again, remind everyone where they can find you, you, you your website, your uh, Twitter, your podcast, you do a lot of things. Uh, yeah. So my website is pullhitter.com. Um, I plan to write a lot more than I did this year. Um, I enjoy writing, but, uh, I'm new to it. So process taking me a little bit, but, um, promise to have some more stuff on it this year, especially with some, um, some eye toward keeper leagues. Uh, I think I mentioned that, you know, playing like keeper auction league. So I'm really into, um, into that whole area. Uh, and so have a lot of, yeah. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, and I think that's not really something that's out there enough. Um, uh, so yeah. So, um, you can find me at Deadpool hitter on Twitter. That kind of rhymes. Didn't realize that until now. At Deadpool I didn't hitter. realize that either. <laughs> at Deadpool hitter on Twitter. And, um, yeah. I have my podcast, uh, page two and that's at pull hitter pod, um, check out, you know, podcasts and, you can reach me on email too at pullhitterpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I'm just open for dialogue, man. You know, I just want, even if it's not fantasy, people just want to talk baseball, sports, um, anything but politics, I'm in. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very yeah. much and have a good, have a good day. And um, well, um, we'll pump up this episode probably right away. Cool, man. Zach, I appreciate you having me on, man. It was a pleasure right. talking to you. Cool. All right. Thanks, buddy.
There's no possessions, only obsession. I don't need that. Take my money, take my obsession. Your clothes, comb your hair.